Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. My guest today is Heidi Aldridge, and she is the host of her own podcast show called Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where she talks with people who take the lemons that life gives them and they make sweet lemonade out of it. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And I, I actually met you last year at a yeah. state convention, and you were telling me some of your lemons. They were pretty damn big lemons. <laughs> and yeah. then um, you also, you had an actual radio show 20 plus years ago, right? Right. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that. And did your experiences make you want to do that show? Is that where that came from? Right. Yes. Yes. So to talk about a radio show I did 20 years ago, we actually have to go back to like 35 years ago when I was a young kid and um, I was made fun of so bad when I was young, um, elementary, junior high, just terrible. I was made fun of and bullied and picked on. We moved around a lot. Um, so I was always trying to make new friends wherever we went and it just got really bad to the point where I decided that I would be better off um, helping the world by not having to see my face anymore. And so I was going to end my life. And that was my solution. I was very depressed and um, just thought that was going to be the best thing to do. And then um, I was 16 and it was uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Well, there was, there was Thanksgiving was on Thursday and my mom had taken me and my brothers out of town. My dad had left the house just a few months before that for reasons that he had to leave because of some abuse that was being done in our home. And so this was kind of our first Thanksgiving without dad. And it was difficult, but my mom took us to visit some family friends out of town. And we were there for Thanksgiving and then the day after Black Friday. And then Saturday morning, we got up and she says, we got to get home. We're just leaving now. We've got to get home right now. And so we all packed up and we drove home and we didn't, okay, now what? You know, it's Saturday and we're just sitting here. And I remember that night, um, me and my brothers were sitting and watching Cops on TV, the TV show Cops. <laughs> and, uh, you know, killing time. And uh, all of a sudden there was a knock at the door and it was two policemen. And talk about freaking out, you know, when you're sitting there watching Cops on the show and then cops show up at your door. It was it was kind of freaky. And uh, they took my mom outside and spoke to her on the porch. And me and my brothers were just looking through the windows like, what is happening? This is crazy. And then she got in their car and drove away. So we were like, okay, the cops just took mom and she didn't even tell us anything. And so we were freaking out. And um, I called my grandma and told her like, the cops just came and took mom away. And she's like, just don't worry about it. Just stay off the phone, stay in the house. And then she um, came right back. My mom came back and the policeman came in the house with her and they sat us down and they just said, um, we need to let you know that your dad has just taken his own life. And I remember just sitting there like, kind of hits you like, wait, <laughs> you know, this is not the, the you expect to hear. 
And then my little brother, he was seven at the time, and he looks at me and he goes, what does that mean? And I just said, dad's dead. He's dead. And I just held my little seven-year-old brother on my lap and we just cried together. And my other little brothers, we were just all sat there just crying, like, what happened, you know? And we found out later that um, my dad was alone, you know, Thanksgiving, there was a little turkey TV dinner in his trash can. Um, He was all alone. Nobody reached out to him. Nobody was his friend. Nobody tried to invite him to dinner or anything. And um, so I went back to school that Monday and I just, a switch had been flipped. You know, here I was so suicidal and wanting to end my life. Sorry. I was so suicidal and wanting to end my life before that day. And then I remember going back to school on Monday and it's like my eyes were open and I could like see people differently. And I was looking around the halls of the school and seeing all these kids in high school with me and I could suddenly like see their pain and see their, not their problems, but just that they were hurting and they were lonely or they were rejected. And I just started reaching out to all these strangers in in school and I just started trying to become friends with everybody and trying to include everyone and make sure everybody felt like they were needed and important and just kind of changed my whole outlook on life. I thought, I don't want to be responsible for another suicide. I felt like if somebody might have reached out to my dad and been his friend and encouraged him just one more day, then maybe he'd still be here. And so it changed me in high school. And I went on to really thrive in high school and do really well. I, I, had, I made some great friends. I had a wonderful um, support group of, of friends and, and a wonderful boyfriend and I moved out, I moved away from home. So I was living on my own in my senior year of high school. And I just was trying to make the best of it and trying to just reach out to people. You know, fast forward 10 years later. So I've now gotten married and had kids and um, dealing with infertility. And it was really, really difficult. I'd, I'd had two kids, felt like I should have another. Years were passing without being able to get pregnant again. And I was getting so, so discouraged. And I remember complaining to a friend of mine, we were working out together and I was just, I complained every single day that we worked out about how this isn't fair. And I want this other kid. And when is this going to happen? And what's wrong with me? And am I a terrible mom? And I was just really getting into that depression again. I could feel myself consumed with myself again. And almost to the point of, of having those suicidal thoughts again as well. Just like, I'm not good enough. What have I done wrong? I'm being punished. It was it was really difficult. And I remember she said one day that she didn't want to work out with me anymore because I was too negative and too hard to be around. And again, it was one of those eye-opening experiences of like, wow, okay, I've turned into that person again that I was years before. And so I was like, okay, I've got to start looking past myself and thinking about other people And that inspired me to start this radio talk show called The Lemonade Stand. And that is where I started looking around at people that had it worse than me, believe it or not. I thought I had it so hard with my perfect husband and two perfect children in my perfect house. And it was so hard because I couldn't have another kid. And it was interesting to start talking to people who really did have lemons, who really did have extreme things that they had done. And at that time... Um, John Walsh, he was the um, host of America's Most Wanted. And he became the host of that show because his own child was kidnapped and killed. 
And so he was kind of my inspiration of somebody who can go through something really hard and make the world better because of it. And so I started looking around at just local people and then it spiraled into more celebrity type people that I was interviewing on my radio show and just learning how people have started support groups or people have done movements or changed, literally changed the world. There are things that we have that happened because of a tragedy. And so it was inspiring to me. And then, you know, halfway through the year of doing this radio show and focusing on all these other people, I got pregnant with my last child, my miracle baby. And I remember my last radio show was two days before she was born. I kind of signed off because I knew she was due in a couple of weeks and I didn't want to focus on it anymore. I wanted to give her all my attention because I was so excited to finally be having my miracle. And then she ended up being born two days later. So, and now it is 20 years later, you know, she's all grown up. I'm an empty nester. And I thought, let's revive those radio shows. I think we need some more positive things to think about and look at in the world. And so I dug out all those old cassette tapes and I started transferring them onto my computer and started a podcast of them. And then it's like, well, there's current stories too. There's people nowadays that have stories to tell as well as they did 20 years ago. So let's talk to new people. Everybody so, has something. They do. And people have great inspiring stories. Say cassette. I know, right? Yeah. Do you remember those? For, for those of you listening who don't know what a cassette is, just Google that. I, know. I have 50 of them in a box. <laughs> so I'm trying to transfer all of them onto my computer and get them all uploaded onto my podcast. So I want to back up, and I should have yeah. stopped you when you were telling this. You said you were bullied and picked on in high school. Why? Junior high. Junior high and elementary why? school. What? <laughs> did, you, did you know why then? You oh yeah, people they made it. What was it? What was about you that that made you a target? They made it very clear. Um, I was very ugly, a very ugly person, and I had features bigger than my face. I have a very big smile. I had a very big nose, and um, it was just more than people could stand to look at. Apparently, so they made fun of me pretty bad about it, and it still is to this day, forty-seven years later. That is, and this. Where were you growing up when this was happening? Um, I moved around a lot. We lived in Colorado and Utah and Idaho. So that's yeah, it was hard. It's not nice to bully people. No, it, <laughs> it affects them forever. How? And I hear a lot of that, and I see a lot of that in our culture where you and I live, where we're taught to love our neighbors and you know follow Christ and be kind. And I hear yeah. that all the time, and it's mind blowing to me. How do we, you know, when we talk about and you know we the antichrist what is an antichrist and you're like oh that's not us that could never be us but it's someone who makes another feel like they don't have any value right and there's a lot of that here and it's i right. cannot for it's, it's so foreign to me because i don't i hope i've never done that to somebody right i don't think i do so Same. I not believe that people people act the way they do and and, right. and maybe it's because their own I, I i don't know if they realize the damage they're doing to others when they do right. that and maybe, but I, maybe I think it's to the point where yes. they, they they have their own crap right. um you know, I, I have a situation where well at least you know when i started this new real estate gig um there's some people that were you know i ask a lot of questions that's how i learn i ask a ton of questions and it drives people crazy sometimes 
maybe I'm maybe I need to fix it I don't know maybe there's some truth to what they're saying but that's how I learned and I was already struggling with insecurity my whole life anyway and then to be hammered every time I asked a question it made me see red and then the more I got to know this person the more I realized that they were revealing some of the crap that they had been dealing with and is it is it an ex- is that an excuse to treat someone like crap? No, but it makes more sense why he did what he did after right. he revealed some things about his own past. It made me have some empathy, not you know anger anymore, because right. I was ready to go to blows. Yeah, stop, because you're you're touching a soft spot, bro, and and I'm bigger than you, and yeah. I'll I'll go down that road, and I don't want to. But. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of the last times I got made fun of, it was in junior high and I had this little boyfriend and uh, he was so sick of it too. And it was really cool. He helped me a lot, a lot because, um, you know, even to the point where people would tease him about being with me and like, what do you, you know, why are you with her and what do you see in her her. kind of, yeah. Yeah. And how can somebody as good looking as you want to be with her? And so he got made fun of as well. And, uh, it, it ended in a fight. He had to go out in the, in the back of the school and, uh, he got, he got, he got beat up. <laughs> so he wasn't a very violent person, a poor guy. And I remember walking him home that day with blood coming down his face and just going, wow, he's my hero. Like that was a cool, and it ended after that pretty much. Um, most people just kind of, I don't know if it was a respect thing or what it was, or if that mean kid just had to get out of his system. I don't know, but it, it pretty much ended after that. Um, and people knew, you know, that my boyfriend was going to stand up for me and that they don't need to keep treating me like that. And it was cool. It was awesome. He was a good, good influence in my life at that time. So I was very grateful. But yeah, I don't know why people are so mean. I found in my adult years, I have to still deal with mean people. And most of the time I can see that it's because they're hurting. Um, and they kind of judge oh you don't understand and you're this perfect person and so they tend to kind of let it out on you nowadays so um yeah mostly people are mean just because they're hurting and they don't feel love in their life and they don't feel acceptance so they have to putting other people down which is so ironic to how you would you'd think that if they're being hurt that they would gravitate or or want to be kind to 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 stop doing that but it's a weird weird mentality yep you look back at the, those, at that, you know, bullying that you got, yeah. would you take it all back? Or do you think it's made you, and I'm not, I don't want to be leading, leading you, no. to, but would you take it back or has it, do you think it's contributed to who you are today and how you are more compassionate to others? <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could say I would do it again, but I, I'm not in that place. I mean, here I am you know, getting close to 50 and I still um, have effects of that. I still look in the mirror and see that that 12-year-old girl that was made fun of so bad. And it's very difficult for me to, um, actually, it got worse and worse as I was married and having kids. It got um, to the point of paralyzing me um, where I couldn't leave the house anymore, especially when my kids started being in elementary school, because that's I was like, I can't go back to that elementary school. They're now going to make fun of my kids because of their mom. And so I would go into their school and I would cover my face while I was in the school because I had so many issues with it. And um, I finally ended up having to have plastic surgery 
to finally help me get over it a little bit because it was becoming so paralyzing for me. Um, plastic surgery didn't seem to help. I still see, um, I still see that person. So that was kind of hard too. So yeah, it's given me some major issues in my life, but it makes me also caring and compassionate too. So uh, I don't know. I think I could have learned caring and compassion and unconditional love for people maybe in a little softer way um, that maybe hasn't been so lifelong damaging for me. And I just need to get over myself too. So, you know, that's my cross to bear that I need to get over what I see in the mirror. Is this person that did some of these things to you still in your world? No, not at all. No. And it wasn't just what, like, like I said, we moved around so much that it would just be a new group of mean girls <laughs> in every place I moved to. They just, there was always mean people. And I haven't been made fun of about my looks, you know, since that day in junior high, like probably, I think it was like ninth grade. Um, after that, I really wasn't made fun of much after that, but I didn't change, you know, so I still see the ugly person in the mirror. So oh, it's hard. That That is tough. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's like how you look was nothing, none of your doing. I know. That's what I tell oh. people. I'm like, I got my dad's nose. What am I supposed to do about it? Like, it's not like I can go change my clothes and look like a different person. No, this is my facial features. I could not do a dang thing about it. I remember a lady willing to loan me the money when I was 16 so that I could have plastic surgery. And I made the arrangements. I was like, okay, this will change my life. And she was going to loan me the money. I was going to work it back, uh, pay her back. It was like $3,000. And back in the 1980s, that was a ton of money. And, um, you know, when you're making three bucks is minimum wage. So it was going to take me a long time to make it back. And she was willing to do it. And I got um, a surgery consultation done and... Um, then she backed out. She told me that she was going to get a divorce and needed all her money. And so she wasn't going to loan it to me after all. So that was traumatizing. But after that, it really started weighing on me just that I needed to do the world a favor and change this face. So it was in there deep. That was painful. No, I I feel a little bit of just seeing you and watching you talk about that. That's it breaks my heart. I know it's hard not to get emotional. Sorry. <laughs> It's really hard. It was a very sensitive topic for me. So there we go. Let's go there. <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny thing. I have a niece who is she when she was, you know, a few years ago, she looked a lot like um, Kim Kardashian. Oh, wow. And every time she would change a picture, put a new picture up, she would get tons and tons of comments about pretty, so beautiful. Blah, 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 all about how pretty she was. And all I can think about is, and she, and I never actually spoke to her about how she felt about that, but, and I've had other friends who were quote unquote very pretty, and all their comments were how pretty they were whenever they posted something. And I'm thinking to myself, that is so shallow and hollow because one, it's, I mean, congratulate me on something I achieved. Yeah. How I look is not up to me other than some weight and, you know, shaving. Right. That's what I get. This is what I get. This is what I have to I, work with. Don't, yep. don't congratulate me on how hot you think I look because I didn't do that. And so right. it's almost like giving a trophy to someone who came in ninth place. <laughs> I didn't earn this. Congratulate me on something I earned. Right. I think I think that would, because so she just stopped. Like she, 
stopped posting and I don't know, I don't know the reasons why, but other pretty girls who were threatened by it, I'm sure hammered her the same way you got hammered and, and it's, it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. I, it was the hardest part was when your mom or people, you know, your loved ones try to comfort you like, oh, they're just jealous of you. I'm like, they're not jealous of this. I promise. <laughs> you know, they do not. They do not want this. They see something they don't like and they have to be mean about it. That's what they're doing. They're just cruel people. And so it was funny because I always try to be, I don't think they were jealous. I think if someone's pretty and they're bullied, then yeah, it's a jealousy thing, you yeah. know. But for me, no, I didn't have a... A chin, you know, my chin kind of blended into my neck, had kind of these round cheeks and this, um, they called it a bird nose is what they like to call me bird and ask me how I was able to drink out of a cup and lots of fun things like that. So, um, yeah, they made it very clear what they didn't like about me. <laughs> they, they knew I was ugly. So, you know. Mind-blowing. So, At least they had the guts to do it to your face because there was no social media. That's true. That, but it's just. Yay. You know, because then you don't have the written words to like go back and see all the time. No, I just have all the following me home, all the walk home and hearing it or a recess or whenever it was that they decided to get a hold of me. A group of people, not just one. Yeah, it was always a group of people. Because no one would do that. It's That's that's an interesting perspective, too, is that someone picking on you won't do it by themselves. Mm, interesting. They need that support. Yeah. Hammer on someone else. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's all another topic for another episode. I don't know, but there you go. You know, bullies usually run in, in groups, not by themselves. Yeah, that's true. They get other people that are hurting too, and they like to feel better. Yeah, that's 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 the only way I can get my head around why someone does it because they're just so scarred that they don't know what else to do. Right. They're reacting, right? right. Like a like a cornered animal. No, and that's why it was just constantly in my mind. I was just like, gosh, I need to do this world a favor. They got to stop having to look at me. That's like, hard. I've got to go, you know? And so every night I would lay there and plan how I was going to kill myself. And then it was it was crazy because I had this little boyfriend, you know, like I said, and he would call me every morning. And my parents, my mom would make fun of him and my brothers, you know, because he would call me every morning and and ask me what he should wear to school. And I tell him, oh, we wear this, wear that, you know, and, and we we're just very close, obviously. Um, but <laughs> I told my mom and I just barely told her this because she was teasing me about it again. Here it is 35 years later. And um, and I said, do you know why he did that? You know, she's like, well, because he couldn't make a decision. He doesn't know how to dress himself. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because every night I would tell him I was going to die that night. And every morning he had to call and make sure I was still there. And he would say every night when I talked to him, he says, I'm going to call you in the morning. You got to tell me what I need to wear to school. They put a responsibility on you. Yeah. And it kept me going. Yeah. I felt like I need to help somebody. It was the slightest, dumbest thing. And to look back now is super random, but he knew and he knew that there was this part deep inside me that loved to help people. And uh, that that's the only way he could get me to keep going every day because he could tell me oh i think you're beautiful and i think you're great and i think this did it no not at all it doesn't mean a thing and people even to this day you know oh my gosh oh you're so pretty and i'm like wow i just i just immediately just get so like offended <laughs> like just stop you know I'm like i know you're lying so i know what i look like you know and so i just know he couldn't he couldn't have done that but he could ask me to help him and i was willing to do that and it kept me going every day i'd get up because he needed me to dress him. <laughs> Super.
super random, but it helped me a lot until that day when he got beat up for me. And then it was like, wow, he really does care about me. So he's a pretty good guy. I know that I'm taking this totally down this personal road, but is is that your husband or is that, did he not make the, did he not make the cut? Didn't make the cut. Dang it. Um, you know what? I know we were together for five years, 13 till 18. Um, he got me through all those. I always say he's kind of one of those seasonal people, you know, they come into your life for that time Mm -hmm. in your life and then they have to go. I wasn't planning on that at the time. I was going to marry him. We were 18, graduated high school and we were going to get married. It was going to be this great love story of meeting in junior high and needing to be together forever. And, um, that was the plan. And then I, uh, went to college and he stayed kind of home trying to decide what he was going to do, if he was going to go on a mission or go to college or if we should just get married because he didn't think I'd wait for him on his mission. And uh, went to college and the second day there, met the guy that I ended up marrying. So um, I had to call my boyfriend after about a month of being in college and let him know I was engaged to someone else. So that was kind of a fun conversation. So, yeah, I feel bad because he was such an incredible, um, important person in my life at the time. And uh, I felt like I was kind of like, thanks for nothing. That was kind of my. And so I struggled. I actually had to go to counseling over that for a while because I just felt really bad that I did that to to him. And, of course, now he'd go on to, to say he was grateful for that. He was able to go on a mission. He was able to meet a great lady and have a family and happy. And so. It's fine. It all works. He's okay. I promise. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it has a good ending. He's happy. But uh, yeah, it was it was hard at the time. It was very hard for me even too. I felt kind of this obligation that I should marry him, but um, I knew deep down that he wasn't my forever person. And I'm happily married to my forever person. We're almost 28 years now, so wow. he's stuck in there with me through a lot. <laughs> so it's been my biggest cheerleader. He's awesome. So, all right. So that's, that's quite a story. Sorry. (laughs) Why? It's a lot. That's my life. I asked you and I wanted to go down that road and you took me down that road. Don't apologize. Okay. It's It's just a lot. Okay. Uh, We could probably go on and on (laughs) because I will pry until you tell me to stop. (laughs) Okay. We're stopping. (laughs) Stop. Stop. (laughs) Off the record. I can tell you other stuff. (laughs) There you go. So you're now you're doing this show again. Yeah. So doing my podcast. And look there, I said so again, and I ignored my, my list of what don't not to say. Yeah. Yep. I what have my Heidi's most, Lemonade Stand Heidi's podcast. And what yep. has been the most rewarding part about doing that? Do you? Yeah. T- I have yeah. And I'll ask questions. It's actually been really cool to listen to the old shows again. That's been really interesting. I mean, I was young. I was only 27. I'd gone into this radio station. I mean, I was a mom. You know, I dropped out of college. I was a mom. I was dealing with infertility, deciding to start a radio talk show for whatever reason. Well, because I knew I wasn't fit for TV, right? And so I'm like, oh, I can I can talk to people without being seen. That would be That would help me and uh, help other people. And so I went into this radio station and just pitched the idea to him, like had it all written up, little typed up, little binder cover on it and stuff. And here's my little pitch. And they read it and said, okay, you can start next month. And I was like, 
okay, what do I do? <laughs> I've never done this before. And so they had a guy there to kind of show me what buttons to push. And uh, they wanted me to do my first show by myself without a guest. So I had to carry the hour with uh, just me yapping, telling my story. And then after that, I was able to bring guests in each week. We were on Sunday nights and I'd have a guest drive out there with me and we'd meet and chat for an hour and hear about their lemon to lemonade experience. And they'd refer somebody else to me and just kept going and going and met some of the most incredible people. And that was probably the highlight of it was just um, hearing the stories of people and what they've been through and how hard I mean, some of the stuff people have been through. I don't know. It just changed my thinking of just like, wow, I have it actually really great. And of course, when they tell the story, they can look at someone else and think they have it better than them. And so it was their cross to bear. It was their story to tell. It was their experience to have. And so that was life-changing really and so to dig those tapes out again after 20 years listen to them again I'm like oh wow these I sound terrible because I had no idea what I was doing but the stories are still great stories and then my husband's like I interview just, new people I Do just you didn't sound I listened to your first when you post <laughs> not sound terrible and to care something to do a monologue for 40 minutes hour yeah, yeah. I think I've lasted six minutes that's hard it gets hard. Yeah, it's long. It was a long, it was a long time, but it worked and it got me going and I did it. And so now I'm just interviewing new people and it's amazing. The inspiring people that I know right now, I'm kind of going to friends and family because those are who I know, but it's going to branch out to the point now where I'm also reaching out to the, a lot of those people I interviewed 20 years ago and asking them. Was, yeah. Respect people back on. Yeah. See. Asking them for their updates. So, so far one has done it. Out of about five that I've tried to get a hold of, I can't find people. Things are some people have died and some people have moved away. I can't I can't find a lot of the people that I interviewed, but and some have become more famous, so now they won't, you know, can't get a hold of them. So oh, you're just a little person now to them. Yeah, yeah. So back then when they were starting to become famous, they would do any interview, but now they're like, oh yeah, no. Well, no, I haven't been told no yet. It's just hard to get a hold of them. So scheduling. Yeah, scheduling and just trying to find out how to reach them. So I'm getting there. It's just giving me a little side project to do while I do other stuff. Just will sell real estate and do my little podcast. It's just my hobby. And it's been very fulfilling. It does feel good to meet people and hear their stories and get inspired. It's just so inspiring. Every house, I've been saying this for, this is kind of my mantra, is every house has a story. And we have no idea what's going on and nothing is what it seems from the street. And right. when I say house, I could mean their physical house or their just their body themselves. When you see, right. when you see a lot of, there's a lot of these cutesy fluffy statements on social media, every person's going through something and it's true. They are. And you don't know yeah. what they're going through, but I know that there's no one that has that just scot free that has nothing to challenge or anything like that. Absolutely. We get to this, this, this comparison tool is a great tool of Satan. If you believe in Satan, whoever you may be, or that might be listening or not, but that is the greatest tool that I think can destroy us is because we will compare our weaknesses to someone else's strengths. Exactly. I, remember that, I heard another thing that says, if you want to compare yourself to someone, then, then take all their crap. Yeah. And then yeah. if you saw their crap, you would be, mm, I'll keep mine. I'll keep my own garbage yeah. because I, I, at least, you know, I'm familiar with it. Well, and that's exactly, I love that you say that because that 
that's been very evident to me just in the past few years. About five years ago, my husband and I went through some really bad marriage trauma um, to the point where it was it was probably going to be time to move on, you know, and not be married anymore. And so we were both struggling, you know, I had done some things and he had done some things and it was, it was as bad as it could get. And in our house, there was no place to talk without our little kids around. And so we would go on walks. So we would, every night, you know, after dinner, we'd just go on this walk so we could just talk it out and kind of figure out our future and how we're going to get through this, you know, and if we're going to get through it. And um, I don't know why, but we'd just be walking and and people would see us. You know, we'd walk around the neighborhood. And meanwhile, we c- I could be swearing and yelling and just raging at him. But we're walking together side by side through the neighborhood. We'd get back home and put on our pretend, you know, smiley faces for our kids. And then we'd go to our counseling or we'd do our other things. And we ended up saving our marriage, which I'm very grateful for. That was a good decision on our part. And I'm glad he forgave me. I have forgiven him and we have moved forward. But when we moved away from that neighborhood a few months ago, we got love letters from all of our neighbors. And every single neighbor said how inspiring we were when they'd see us on our walks every day. Because after we repaired our marriage, we started just going on walks every day because we loved to be together. And we'd hold hands and we'd walk the neighborhood. And a lot of neighbors would be outside, wave and talk. But that's their memory. And that's how they put us on this pedestal of this example of this great marriage because we took time to walk together every day. And I thought, wow, they have no idea that we were planning to end our marriage on those walks. But that just goes to show what you were saying is that, you know, you look at people's highlights and you compare it to your low. And so they could look and nudge each other. Oh, why don't we love each other like that? Why don't we spend time together like that? And meanwhile, you know, we were going through the worst time in our marriage. So um, it was a good example to me when they wrote these letters just saying how inspired they were by our relationship and how they want to be like us. That is interesting. Yeah. Had no idea. Had no idea because they because they couldn't. Nope. How would they know? You know, just going through an action an action like you were doing. Yep. Said, it painted a whole different story. Yeah. What was really going on? Yep. Exactly. So, and we weren't pretending. You know, we weren't. Oh, let's go walk around the neighborhood to show everybody that we like each other. No, we just didn't have another place to have a conversation. We could have gone on drives, but we didn't want to. We didn't want to. We didn't want to burn up the gas just driving around. We're like, you know what? It's healthier. We can get our steam. You know, just get moving, and you're huffing along, and you're just mad. And I don't know. To us, yeah. walking was healthier. Well, the person gets mad at you and grabs the wheel and rolls the car. Right. See, that's dangerous too. <laughs> you're stuck in the car together. At least with walking, you can separate. <laughs> so I don't know why we walked, but that was our solution is I think I just started heading out the door and he came after me. I don't know, but we just started walking. And to this day, I mean, five, six years later, we still go on walks. So I love it. Now we look forward to it. Purpose now. Yeah. It's to, yeah. to maintain versus yeah. to salvage. Yep. Yep. It is. It's that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird, huh? No, yeah. Not weird. Not weird. You know, but that's us. That's so cool that you do this now. It's it's well, it's probably therapeutic for you, but just there's no shortage of stories and people and inspiration to everybody's got something that you yep. glean a little bit of wisdom from. And you know, the kind of the theme of my podcast is 
everybody has a story that can entertain, uplift, or inspire. The, I love know, it. Probably with mine, it's probably more entertainment because I'm kind of a clown. But either way, you've yeah. added value to somebody yeah. just by sharing it. And we, we have a tendency to think, oh, who am I? Nobody wants to hear my story. Right. What, what do I know? You know people are like, oh, yeah. I ask you know, many people to try to come on the show and they, they're like, that's boring. You know, I have a friend who was a, a dancer for the Denver Broncos and the Denver Nuggets. I've been trying to get her for ages. She's like, oh, that's boring. It's not, it's nothing. And I'm like, no, it's not, that's interesting. That's exciting. That, that was a fun thing. And, you know, yeah. but her perspective is that it's nothing. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. I don't get to share my own story very often. So, I mean, well, when especially. I you, when I met you last year, and I know I've been kind of poking poking at you, and it's taken a year for us to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that I, I was drawn to you immediately. Just there was just something I don't know, I don't know what the word is pure, but you you were just easy. You you were so easy to talk to. And I, I mean, I, I can talk to most people, but uh, out of all the people I've met in my life, you were one of the easiest ones. To, it was just, it just felt so comfortable. So whatever magic you have, keep doing that. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. You prescribe it. To, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, if I'm good at that, I got to keep that to myself. I don't know. <laughs> so, I get a bottle of that, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're very easy to talk to, too. So that's, I guess that's why we are in a hobby of talking to people, because that's just what we're good at. And well, I've had the secret desire years ago when I was in college uh, in the days of answering machines. Yeah. My friends and I would have this competition on who could have the coolest answering machine message. Oh, you did that, too. Really? <laughs> yes, I totally did. We came like, up some with doozies. They were good. Well, you ended up doing a show, but I, I, mean, I had this like, ladies and gentlemen, cats and germs, yeah. you're on the air live with KXAS Radio. Please leave me. And we would oh, just, my gosh. Yeah, we so did that. Voice too, and oh, I love it. We so did that. We'd try to put music on it. And oh, my gosh. We had so much fun with our answer machine. Oh, that's so funny. We did. We had a competition with our neighbor, our best friends. And we'd try to, because they were the only ones who ever called us. So we'd try to like one up them or try to make our answer machine better than theirs. <laughs> That's yeah, so funny. Cool. Fun that people are fascinating. They're irritating and fascinating. <laughs> oh gosh. Are. So true. And so thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for, for sharing that. And I'm, I'm excited to hear more of your, your stories and the people you talk to. And it's, it's, I've listened to a couple of them. Yeah, listen to my podcast. We're gonna have some more. They're uploaded every Monday and Thursday, so oh, there's look, some more coming. Schedule, you're. I am. Uh, I got to keep myself scheduled. I'm so funny that way. Got to keep no, schedule. So. Well, I I started this and I wanted to do four a month, and now I'm down to like two ish a month if I can get people in. Yeah, I'm not as you know, but I, I. Well, see, I'm new. I've only been doing this for a month, so I got that momentum of like, okay, yeah. who's next? Got to keep you're going. A retired professional who's come back into the arena. That's what uh, you are. That's what I am. I guess so. Show you were, you were it. I know. I was a podcast before they were podcasts. That's what my yeah. radio show really was. It was just talking to someone on the air. It was hard because we'd get phone calls that interrupt us and commercials and stuff. But so now it's a lot quicker. 20, 30 minute conversation with someone. I don't have to worry about all the extras. So. Do you find that it, it calls you now? Like the microphone? It, saying hey you need to interview somebody need to do another story yeah <laughs> we told yeah yeah the same and i 
because I've, I've got lazy from time to time. And, you know, like I said, I've been kind of doing it off and on for two and a half years. Wow. And then I just stopped. And then it's, I need to, there's, there's someone else needs to be, somebody's like screaming out there, their yeah. voice in the wilderness and I can hear it and I have to get them on. That's awesome. The story. And maybe I still deal with um, the mean voice in my head, you know, those bullies. I still get that, that I, that tries to stop me from doing everything I do. And so I have to fight that and then I can concentrate on this. So yeah, I get it. You are awesome. You are amazing. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't scream that back though. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. So you you get better. You do, you do, you're not verbally doing it, but you're screaming back by doing these shows. By doing it. You just do it. Yep. Just, yeah, freaking look, look at the scoreboard, dude. Right. That's what matters on the scoreboard. And I just did 19 podcasts or whatever, you know, with these right. people and told their stories. And so suck it, you know? Okay. I need a Brian in my corner. Tell him to suck it. <laughs> Tell the mean bullies in my head to suck it. <laughs> Thanks, I'll, Brian. <laughs> I'll be the, uh, what's it? Uh, the Rocky movies. Polly. Polly. Oh, yeah. Be my Polly. That'd okay. be great. Get in there. Get up. <laughs> Okay, you're hired. <laughs> it's awesome. Heidi, thank you so thank much. You. Uh, I know we could go on and on. Right. Nobody needs to hear it anymore. <laughs> We're good. It's two hours. They'll probably cut off. <laughs> anyway, this has been awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this. It's been good to see you. You too. You thank know. you. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Paris to Thought Show.